Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. And as per usual, I got two disclaimers for you. Disclaimer number one is this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Inside you're going to find absolutely zero actual, actionable financial advice. And disclaimer number two is this podcast is extremely not safe for work, so please consider yourself warned. All right, so last Tuesday, I went to uh, CFA Society of Chicago's book club. The book in question was Danielle DiMartino Booth's Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. Let me start off by saying that that book actually sounds like it'd be interesting, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. But unfortunately, that is not the book we got. Instead, the book we got should have been called I Was Right, they were wrong, and then I had some babies. So let's uh, let's unpack that. I was right. So I really wish she just spent the first chapter talking about all the time she was right. She could have put it in the first chapter, and I could have just easily skipped right over it because I just don't care. Here's the nice thing about the stock market. Okay, If you're right, you don't need to go around patting yourself on the back telling everyone you were right. You can just look at the numbers like Warren Buffett. He doesn't go around from college campus to college campus, from newsroom to newsroom, patting himself on the back about being right about the tech boom. Everyone knows it because it just it's right there in the numbers. Okay. And so this woman, she, you know, she doesn't mention how she shorted the stock market in the, you know, 2007 or 2006 or 2008. She doesn't mention how she liquidized, liquidated her assets into cash or anything. So we really just have her word that, oh, look, I wrote a blog in 2006 and said I saw the housing crisis coming. Uh, you know, so what? Uh, you know, victory as a thousand fathers, defeat as an orphan. Uh, it's like the old saying, economists, uh, they predicted 13 of the last six recessions. She could very easily just be pointing all the time she was right while conveniently ignoring all the time she was wrong. So all that crap sprinkled throughout the book is useless. And... Also, and it's not something that would particularly interest me because I'm, I could care less about macroeconomic forecasts, but I know there is an audience for it. Uh, instead of spending all this time talking about how she saw the last recession coming, why not devote time to how she sees the next recession coming? And we'll get back to that in a few moments. The next part, uh, they were wrong, the they, and of course, being the Fed. Now, here's the thing. Like half this book is devoted to talking about how the Fed did not see the financial crisis coming. Okay, uh, blank, blank, shrug, yawn. Okay. Does anyone think the Federal Reserve did see the financial crisis coming? Because if you do, that'd be an interesting book. That'd be a conspiracy up, but with you know JFK, nine eleven, Pearl Harbor. If you if your hypothesis was the Fed saw the financial crisis coming and did nothing to prevent it and just swept any evidence of it happening under the rug, that'd be an interesting book. But just to say the Fed didn't see it coming, well, does anyone listening think they did? Like, it's not worth 150 pages to explain that. Now, I'd be entirely disingenuous if I didn't point out she does have some valid criticisms on the Fed, and this may explain why they didn't see it coming. So that's the implication, if I'm being perfectly fair to her. Um, and those are that the Fed is extremely academic. They live in their ivory tower. Um, they're all a bunch of PhDs. If you don't have a PhD, then you're looked down upon. The author, of course, does not have a PhD. She was looked down upon. The man she worked for, Fisher, of course, did not have a PhD. He was looked down upon. And she painted 
this Mr. Fisher as this white knight in a sea of darkness, this intrepid hero for freedom and austerity in, this, in a sea of quantitative easing. Um, and she really paints a picture of groupthink, or what she refers to as groupstink, where if you are a dissenting opinion, you are frowned upon, you are seen as a cancer, you are seen as a Benedict Arnold, you are seen as committing treason. The whole idea is, the, the, according to the book, the Fed, which I could, I could believe, is that the Fed wants to exhibit a monolithic front to the American people. Do not dare show a, a chink in the armor. Is that, is that racist? A, a, a hole in the armor, I should say, maybe? In any case, do not show, don't, don't let them see you bleed. Don't let them sow seeds of discontent to the American people that behind the scenes, the Fed knows exactly what they're doing and there is no... Uh, there, there is not a shred of doubt. There is not a shred of conflict. There is not a shred of disagreement behind the scenes of what the, what course of action the Fed should be taking. So that's that's the picture she paints, and I could definitely see that as being accurate. Um, and I could definitely see how that would have negative implications. If, if no matter how smart a group of people are, if it's an echo chamber and no one's allowed to say the emperor isn't wearing any clothes, it doesn't matter how smart they are, smart people do stupid things. Like, we are all human, even, you know, Ben Bernanke, etc. Uh, so, yeah, she has some valid criticisms on the Fed. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be an insider to have known that. Um, there are countless documentaries you can find on Netflix, YouTube. You can type in documentary into Google, and you'll find a whole bunch. Um, there's websites that have a bunch of documentaries. You can just click on the finance category and a whole bunch of stuff on the. If you ask me for a recommendation, I don't know, throw a dart, they're all the same. Um... And yeah, another criticism in the book is she explains, if I, I think I already said she spends half the book doing something, she spends half the book doing this other thing, which is a step-by-step retelling of the financial crisis, which, you know, this book was written, this book was written in 2017. I feel like that's a well-worn path. I feel like if you actually care about what happened during the financial crisis, you probably already know. You've probably already watched one of those documentaries or read a book or something. But so she tells it, it's just kind of like a Me Too account, and it's really just a thin veil to talk about how she was right which is was my the first part of this podcast is just to pat herself on the back i was right every step of the way etc cetera, etc cetera. um so again uh there's other sources for that kind of stuff much uh, more entertaining uh better use of your time than this book and you're not going to get a whole lot of insider's take on this book i mean she you know it, i'm sure she's gagged by confidentiality rules um you're not going to find a smoking gun in here, you're going to find out what Ben Bernanke said at passing on his way to taking a shit, but it's all inconsequential. Again, no smoking gun. So, let's see. The third part, uh, then she had some babies. Um, she kind of, she awkwardly introduces her personal life. So, the book, especially at the beginning, is semi-autobiographical, which I did not sign up for. I don't know who this lady is. I don't care who this lady is. I wanted to find out why the Federal Reserve is bad for America, which is my point I'll get to in a second. Um, but she talks about just, you know, having babies, and she loves saying barefoot and pregnant. She says it like three times in the book. But in any case, and it all seems pointless until it leads to one story kind of tucked away at the end, which is that she was on an airplane, and she got a phone call that her father had cancer or heart disease or heart attack. I don't know. I don't care. And so she panicked, and she just got off the plane, and she left behind a notebook with classified Fed information on it, and it took her a while to track it down. And when she finally got it, the Fed reviewed it, and they said even though that it doesn't look like it's been tampered with, uh, they still 
you know, cut a level of clearance off of her. And uh, the implication was that there was a glass ceiling placed upon her. And she was already unpopular by her own words of the Fed. She was already kind of an outsider. That Fisher guy was the only one that really appreciated her work, according to her. And he was on his way out already uh, for other reasons. Um, so my, my point in telling all this is she could very easily be a disgruntled ex-employee of the Fed, and that's why uh, she's critical of it. But, I mean, her criticisms are so vanilla. You've heard them. I mean, they're so ubiquitous that the Fed is overly academic, relies on models instead of information on the ground. And, I mean, those, that, that gets passed out like candy, I feel. So I, you know, I tend to believe it. But that's just me. Um, so the final point I wanted to make is, so, okay, I already mentioned how she spends a large part of the book talking about how the, the financial crisis, the, the unfolding of the financial crisis, she spends like 150 pages just reviewing it. And you've already heard me criticize that point for that for being redundant. But it's also, um, if you're going to use the financial crisis as an example for why the Fed is bad, which is really the only reason to include an entire retelling of the financial crisis in this book about why the Fed is bad, then she needs to explain why the next shoe is going to drop, which ties into my first point, how she talks about how she was right about the recession coming, but not how this next one is coming. Um, beca because in 2017, October, as I'm recording this, October, what is this, 20th, 21st? I'm probably not worth time checking. It is the 21st. Okay, great radio. In any case, um, October 21st, 2017, as of now, the Fed acted beautifully during the crisis. I mean, unemployment's down, uh, stock market's up, inflation, we haven't had runaway inflation on consumer goods, we've had it in assets. Anyone wondering where all that uh, inflation went? Uh, well, the, all that quantitative easing went to the banks, went to the rich. So, of course, what do the rich and the banks buy? They don't buy, like, you know, milk down at Walmart, like you and me, with their money. They buy assets. So that's why asset prices are up. So we could very easily be in an asset bubble over that. Um, and, you know, there's other she, she other kind of token arguments for the next shoe dropping, like interest rates have to be raised. Well, no shit. Who doesn't know that? Um, et cetera. But they're not, they're not extremely compelling. She doesn't give a unique perspective or even uh, give a compelling argument for the, the kind of generic ones I've already laid out. Um, she really doesn't tie it into a bow for why she talked about the financial crisis for so long and why the Fed really mishandled it, um, which I think that's the argument she really has to make uh, if she wants to convince people that the Federal Reserve is bad for America, which, again, that'd be an interesting book. That'd be an argument I would want to hear. Um, I have flip-flopped on that issue, not to bring myself into it too much, but I used to be a Ron Paul uh, supporter. I thought, end the Fed, et cetera, et cetera. And then... When the neck, when the shoe just never dropped, and we're ten years out, it's like okay, maybe that Ben Bernanke guy was pretty smart, knew what he was doing. He has a funny quote where he says the problem with it is that uh, it works in practice, but not in theory. In reference to quantitative easing. So let me uh, wrap this up real quick with some of her suggestions for why the Federal Reserve is bad. Or no, 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 no. Uh, some some suggestions for how to improve the Federal Reserve. Pardon me. Uh, eliminate the dual mandate. Of course, the dual mandate is to keep inflation down, which is a joke, and uh, keep unemployment down. And that's, a, of course, a, a self-contradicting mandate because if you want to reduce unemployment, that means gas the economy. That means increase inflation. If you want to cut down inflation, that means hit the brakes in the economy. That means increasing unemployment. So she says reduce the dual or cut the dual mandate to just 
a single mandate. Uh, she recommends limiting the number of PhDs at uh, the Fed, with the implication being bring in you know Wall Street talent, and so that's kind of an example of being a mouse having to vote between a cat and a snake. Uh, so you know, pick your fucking poison as far as that goes. But you know, reasonable minds could have that debate. Um, I guess historically, one of the persons at the debate, I don't want to name names actually worked at the Fed, and so he had a lot of valuable insight that I cannot share because it is not my own thoughts. But in any case, um, one point he did make, or maybe it wasn't, wasn't even him, I'm just rambling, was that the Fed used to be entirely run by like Wall Street insiders, and then slowly it became the other end of the spectrum where it's academic insiders. So there could be a happy medium, I suppose. Pardon me. Uh, one final point she finds necessary on her last page, page 266, is we need education reform. I want to applaud her for, one second, such a controversial, bold statement as demanding education reform. I think you could go to any place in the country, any place in the world, talk to any person in the world, and just say you're for education reform and get someone to agree with you. Just get that person to nod and agree, because it's just such a pointless statement. Everyone has their own opinion of what that means. But in any case, uh, that was the book. The book, again, was Daniel DiMartino Booth's Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. My recommendation gives it two thumbs down. Um, I'm probably allowed to say this. The CEO of the CFA Society of Chicago recommended it, so you might want to take his recommendation uh, over over mine. I can't give you... I'm not going to get into why he recommended it, because I think that'd be kind of outside the bounds of confidentiality not there's much confidentiality in a public forum but still i like to keep a little you know any case uh this has been dan hansen with how not to suck at the stocks thank you everyone for listening and good day sir click